it's Coach Tori, and this is Raising Runners. We will be talking about running, mental health, youth sport burnout, specialization in sports, motivation, encouragement, coaching, parenting, sleep, nutrition, really anything that you can think of that we as parents or coaches or just runners can do to help our young athletes. In today's episode, I get to talk with Austin Allen, who is a trauma-informed personal trainer. He's the owner, founder, coach of Lighthouse Fitness, and he is a podcaster as well. He has a great podcast about um, all things in the wellness fitness space. Uh, We get to talk about what trauma-informed personal training means, more just about why he decided to start it, who he helps, what it really looks like. Um, So there's lots of great tips in there for coaches who are looking to be a little more trauma-informed. We also talk about his personal experience with getting into fitness, um, and he shares just all kinds of great information for anybody looking to learn a little more about what trauma-informed really means. I guess if you want to start, can you, since I actually don't know too much about you, I know you sent me some of your expertise and things, but do you want to start by just saying a little bit about you, maybe how you got into um, coaching, training, the fitness industry, or even if you want to give us a little bit of background of, you know, growing up in sports. Absolutely. So, um, for those of you that are listening, my name is Austin Allen. Um, I am based in Fort Collins, Colorado. So that's about an hour North of Denver for those of you that don't know where that is. Um, so I currently am a trauma informed trainer, a non-restricted nutrition coach, I own a business called Lighthouse Fitness. I also podcast as well, like Tori too, all kinds of different hats. Um, but yeah, to my path into kind of where I am today is kind of an interesting, fun, windy one. Um, so like you mentioned, I'll start kind of from the beginning. I grew up as a kid, loved sports, uh, tried to play every single sport under the sun as much as I could, um, had parents that fortunately... Um, encouraged an active lifestyle and just kind of encouraged moving my body in ways that felt good for me. And so all throughout high school, um, I ran track, I I played football, all kinds of different things. So was exposed to kind of moving my body a lot in that space. Still, I'm a huge sports fan, love to do all of that. Um, went off to college and originally decided, I, I have two parents who are educators. So I really originally decided, you know, I want to be a history teacher, got into college first lecture and was like, this is not the right fit for me. Um, so decided to transition from that into health and exercise science, something that's a little more authentic to, to my upbringing and, and kind of my passion. So I graduated with a degree in health and exercise science from Colorado State University in 2017, go Rams. Um, and so it was in that time that I learned a little bit about kind of the training space and what that might look like and just any kind of career in the health and fitness field, um, decided out of college that I actually wanted to go into public health. So I worked as a professional research assistant. I worked down at the Anschutz Medical Campus for about a year and a half. Um, loved what I did, really loved what I, what I was doing there. I worked actually in a study called the Healthy Start Study with young kids um, specifically three to five year old kids. So it was really fun to get to interact with them every single day. Um, but also my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, her name is Margo. She was still in Fort Collins. She's a little bit younger than me. So she was finishing at CSU. I was working in South Denver. So I was commuting 
to and from about an hour every every way. Um, was also working at a desk for eight hours. So quickly kind of started to experience some of those downsides of being in office life, you know, back pain, neck pain, all of that stuff. And so in this entire time, the workout space and the exercise space was kind of my getaway. It was kind of my space where I felt really confident. I felt really capable. I was able to kind of lean into a lot of those things that I love to do growing up, exploring how to move my body in, in ways that felt good for me. And as I did that more and more and more, you know, I'm sure you may have experienced this too. You kind of become the residential exercise expert for your friends and your families uh, around you. And so my wife actually started to notice that I was really enjoying doing that and was the one to really kind of push me over the ledge and say, why don't you just give it a shot? Why don't you see what it's like to be a trainer and go for it? So something that honestly hadn't really been on my mind when I was in college. And I thought, oh, you know, what the heck, I'll go for it. So I, I left my job, moved back to Fort Collins, got my degree as a personal trainer, got my certification, excuse me, as a personal trainer, worked in a gym space for about two, two and a half years in what I would call a big box gym. So kind of your, you know, chain gyms, bigger gyms, loved that experience. Um, got to meet a lot of really amazing individuals, work with a lot of different demographics and a lot of different goals. Um, but also mm -hmm. in that space experienced uh, the reality of being a trainer in that realm, which was very much that time for money model. So had clients at 6 a.m. and clients at 6 p.m. and everywhere in between. So really was starting to kind of already approach that burnout space a little bit there. And then there was this, you know, tiny little thing that happened called COVID uh, that really hit pause for all of us in the, the health and fitness industry. And so that was really, um, it's a weird thing to say that that there was any kind of, you know, good thing that came out of a pandemic, but it really was that time that I needed to hit the pause button and really kind of reevaluate what I wanted my footprint to be in the health and fitness industry. And so before that time, Lighthouse Fitness and the idea of Lighthouse Fitness was something that I had always kind of dreamed of doing, but I was always kind of afraid to, you know, to pull the trigger and, and do it. And, and it was in that time that I decided to start a business and go for it in the middle of the pandemic, which sounds like a crazy idea, but you know, I figured what the heck I've already been going this far. I might as well give it a shot. So I started Lighthouse Fitness in March of 2020, originally started, you know, doing Zoom workouts in a spare bedroom, working out outside, like a lot of us in the health and fitness industry, just finding ways to move through it all and keep moving our bodies. And I'm now fortunate to be two years in. I've now converted to a, a garage studio space that I'm very proud of, that I, I love that space. And I work mainly with clients in person, locally in the Northern Colorado area, but I also do Zoom workouts. I also do some online nutrition coaching, some online workout programming. And really what Lighthouse Fitness is all about is a space that is committed to helping individuals discover the tools and, and techniques that they can use to feel safe, strong, and secure in their bodies one day at a time, one step at a time, and one rep at a time. So like I mentioned, I am a trauma-informed trainer, and I'll get into that a little bit more about what that actually means. Um, but it's just really helping individuals to discover ways that they can move their body in ways that feel good for them and ways that feel safe for them and, and helping them to just kind of come out on the other side of, you know, that pause that we all felt two years ago and discover what authentic 
fitness might feel like for them. Um, I also do a, a group fitness class every Wednesday on Zoom. It's, it's a fun community to just hop on. We do what's called a six-week series. So every six weeks, we change up the theme. We're three weeks into a kickboxing series, which is an absolute blast. And it's a, it's a way just to create a low barrier to entry, get a, a community going and, and help people kind of all over the, the country to, to feel that connection and to have some fun moving our bodies. So I guess, yeah, all of that in a nutshell is who I am and what I do. Well, that's our show, everybody. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, no. <laughs> no, I mean, and that was like, I guess I could have come off rude, but I really, you answered so many things that I wanted to talk about. And there's obviously things I want to get more into. Um, it sounds like you have such a cool business though. I love that. Um, and it's awesome that you get to work with people in person. Cause I know that's like, you get such a different connection. Um, yeah. but also you have that availability to meet with people virtually too. So like anybody anywhere can find some of your stuff. Cause it sounds like you also have a really positive community with you. I do want to get into like all the trauma informed stuff and everything, because that's super interesting. But first I wanted to ask you what, um, if you can actually say what kind of research were you doing with the, you said three to five age group, just because it is such a fascinating group. We have, um, we do it a couple times a year, um, a three to five year old running club class. And it's just oh, cool. watching the kids like, cause they, I mean, they're so active and they're so energized and enthusiastic, but also their attention spans are so short and they're still trying to figure out their bodies and coordination oh, yeah. and the muscles, you know, so it's just like, they're just so fascinating to work with. Um, so I was just curious what kind of research you guys were doing. Yeah, so I was um, very fortunate to be to be a part of this team of a, a longitudinal study. So it's still going on right now. It's it's twenty. the The goal is twenty plus years of research with this study. Um, it actually started before me following the moms when they were still pregnant with these individuals. And what it's really trying to evaluate is diabetes and the onset of diabetes and what interventions can we make from you know pregnancy all the way up to young adulthood to really help these individuals to keep living healthy, happy lives and, and, and hopefully not get these early onset, you know, diabetes um, cases that we're starting to see more and more. So what I was doing when I came into the study, the kids were about three to five years old. Um, and a normal day is, is they would come to the, the Anschutz Medical Campus. We would do a few different assessments on these kiddos. So it's funny that you mentioned attention span because we would do something called a bod pod, which pretty much evaluates body composition. We had a very miniature one. It looks like an egg pretty much that they go into. We would turn on Moana or, or one of those great movies, have them sit as still as possible, which is more of a suggestion for a three to five-year-old, but they would sit in there and we would evaluate the composition. They'd come a few times a year. And then after that, we would do a few different uh, scans and tests on them. So we would do, you know, skin calipers and we would measure, um, we do different um, kind of cognitive tests and things like that. And for certain, for certain kiddos too, we would actually do MRI scans with them, which was another interesting journey for those of you that are listening. I don't know if you've ever had an MRI before, but you're supposed to sit as still as possible, um, which is an interesting experience again with little ones. Um, but it was really cool because we got to see them again, multiple times a year. And we got to see not only how the kiddos were doing, but also just kind of the family environment and, and, how all of those factors were coming into play in, in terms of their health and, and their kind of health moving forward into young adulthood. So it was really cool. 
No, that sounds so awesome. I have always been interested in research and, you know, like have, I think like one of the dream jobs I've always thought of having was like working in that kind of setting. It is not anything I've actually done. So whenever someone brings up, I'm like, Oh, tell me all about it. But, um, (laughs) that sounds, that sounds really cool. Okay. So now getting into the things I actually, I think we already talked about wanting to talk about the, you are a trauma informed trainer and, So I thought this was super interesting that you could talk about because I used to train or I taught trauma-informed care in a residential setting. So it had nothing to do with physical fitness or anything, but it was for the staff working directly with the individuals in care um, and what all that meant. And at least in my time. And so I've been out of that field for over a year now. So I know things are, we're constantly progressing, but it was such a challenge getting people to understand what it meant, you know, even if you tell them what it it is and they can sort of grasp it, but then in practice, when things become challenging, you know, all that seems to fall away. And I know as a society, I think we are trying to be more aware and helpful to everybody. And, you know, we've all kind of gone through a collective trauma, but I also know people use the word trauma for lots of different things now. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a buzzword at this point. Um, So I think it's just like, I was like so excited that there's someone else that can talk about trauma-informed stuff that's related to um, the fitness world. So Kent, as I just like went on a rant about my own trauma-informed stuff. (laughs) It's um, great. I love it. (laughs) Can you tell us what that means as a trainer, um, kind of how you implement, well, I guess, yeah, what that means and how you implement it into what you do. I mean, I can see just in the way you kind of talk about what you do that like you're using all of like inclusive phrasing. And even when you came on the zoom, you had your pronouns. So like, and there's lots of things that I see that you do that, you know, people which might not also notice what those things are. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I guess the, cause you hit the nail on the head when you said trauma is a buzzword, especially as of lately, you know, we hear it a lot and yet we don't really get a clear definition of what it means. Um, so I guess the, the easiest place to start a lot of times when I'm describing it to individuals is to just kind of get a, a, a definition if we can, of what trauma really is. Um, because again, it is something that we hear a lot. It's something that a lot of us have experienced. Um, but it's, it's good to kind of get an idea of, of what, what I mean when I'm talking about that. Um, so I was fortunate to get an amazing certification, trauma informed training certification from these one of wonderful individuals called hope ignited training. And they provided us actually with a definition for what trauma is or what it can be. Um, and so the definition that was given to us, I can just read it right here is trauma can be defined as an unresolved autonomic nervous system response. It's about the nervous system's response to an event, not necessarily the event itself. Events can affect each of us very differently. Now, that's a very fancy sounding definition. Uh, so let me break that down a little bit more. So for those of you that are listening, first of all, when you hear that phrase autonomic nervous system, what does that even mean? You can pretty much think of that as kind of a highway of nerves that run throughout our body that pretty much help us to be on autopilot mode most of the time. So they control a lot of a lot of our involuntary things like our breathing, our heart beating and stuff like that. So That's an important part of that definition because it talks about how it's affecting that kind of automatic response system. But the bigger reason that I wanted to mention that definition is for the latter part of that statement. And it's talking about how trauma is an experience, not an event. And I think that's really important to state because there could be two individuals that are in the exact same situation 
and one of them may walk away with it with that situation from trauma and one of them may not and it doesn't mean that one of them is stronger more resilient it just means that that experience was influenced and impacted by their body in a different way and and whether it's ptsd or acute trauma or vicarious trauma or even a physical trauma like an injury every trauma experience is is super super different and i think that's really important to say because when an experience, when an individual experiences a trauma, we don't get to choose how our body responds to that event. It just happens. And so this is something that I actually talk about with my clients a lot, because in that moment, your mind and your body were acting in ways that were keeping you safe, even if it's not how you would have chosen to act in that moment. And that might sound like a good thing, but what can happen is as a result of that, the mind and the body for those individuals can start to feel like a really scary, unfamiliar place because you may have reacted in a way that you wouldn't have consciously chosen to in that moment. And what can come along with that is a lot of shame and a lot of frustration. So I'm an individual about a year ago, I experienced a traumatic event myself, which, which kind of spurred me into this field. And like I mentioned before, the workout space was always a, you know, a safe, comfortable space for me. And following my trauma, that was really the the space where I started to notice, oh, wow, this is a little more serious than I actually thought it might have been. I was trying to work out and my body was just reacting differently. You know, I wasn't cooling down in the same way that I usually do. I liked to do kind of a more intense style and everything felt heavier. Everything just felt off. And I felt like I was an individual kind of working out in a stranger's body for lack of a better term. And that was kind of a scary moment for me because then I started to ask myself questions about my experience of, you know, well, why didn't I do more? Why didn't I just leave? Why didn't I stop before it all happened? All these questions that I really had no control over, but it started to be really super overwhelming and really debilitating. And, and it was kind of in that moment that it was that light bulb effect of, well, wait a second, if I'm an individual who has you know, a certification in this field, a degree in this field, I have the tools and techniques that I know to, to make an effective workout. And I'm still struggling to, to move through this space. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like for other individuals that have experienced trauma or continue to experience trauma. And my wife, my lovely wife, like I mentioned, she is a marriage and family therapist. Um, so I was already kind of exposed to that field indirectly, you know, especially from a mental side of things, hearing a lot about trauma, hearing about indirectly about, you know, interactions with her clients. And, and that was when I started to literally search, you know, okay, well, what would this look like in the training space? And I was fortunate to have a client that suggested a book to me called Lifting Heavy Things by Laura Kudari. Um, for those of you that are listening, who might be interested in learning more about this space, I highly, highly suggest it. Um, and in this book, she's talking about trauma-informed training. And I thought, that sounds really cool, but what does that even mean? Um, and so I literally did a cold Google search of is there a trauma-informed training certification and stumbled upon? Turns out there are a few in the U.S. and, and got into the three-day crash course certification that, that really changed my career. And, and so pretty much I say all of that to say what trauma-informed training really is, is it's operating under the mindset that if you work with the body, you work with trauma. So it's focusing on recognizing the individual as a whole person. So what I mean by that is both mind and body alike, understanding that there's actually a lot of communication that happens all the time between our minds and our bodies. And it's a matter of whether we choose to honor that 
that response or we choose to disregard it. And unfortunately, a lot of times we're kind of trained indirectly to disregard it and just try to move throughout our day. So trauma-informed training, where that comes in, is, is all about helping those individuals, specifically those individuals that have felt like the brain and the body wasn't a safe place in the past and giving them different tools and techniques and working together so that they can learn to come back to their body in a safe and an empowered way in and out of the workout space. So there's five main principles that, that we use in the trauma-informed training community, and it's safety, choice, collaboration, trust, and empowerment. And so all five of those principles really guide everything that I do as a trauma-informed trainer, because my goal as a trauma-informed trainer is ultimately to help you discover what you can do to feel safe, strong, and secure, to reclaim movements that feel good for you and allow you to keep moving forward. So where that might look different from the conventional training space is you know, the, the traditional training space that we would think of as, as personal training, um, there's kind of a few, you know, key differences. Uh, the traditional training space is a little more outcome focused. So a lot of times the goals coming in are, you know, improving strength or weight loss or fat loss. And, you know, the pace and the tempo and the reps and the sets and all of that stuff is kind of guided by whatever that goal might be for you. And trauma-informed training is similar, but it's much more process-focused than it is outcome-focused. So what I mean by that, it is much more workout by workout, rep by rep, because a lot of it with these individuals that are coming to me in the trauma-informed training space again, are coming at a time where their body just seems really unfamiliar and, and kind of a scary place to be in. And so we are working much more on building safety. We are working on improving something called your window of tolerance, which is basically a, a fancy way for saying the stressors that you can handle in everyday life and still continue to function well. And so when an individual experiences a trauma, a lot of time that window of tolerance shrinks way down. And so they get overwhelmed by just a lot of normal things you would say in life. You know, things that generally wouldn't really overwhelm us tend to overwhelm us and send our body into the kind of that alarm state. And so what we're doing is we're actually using exercise as a tool to create some stress, which might sound bad, but actually create some stress and learn what it means to navigate through that stress instead of trying to avoid it or just continuing to shut off, maybe like we had in the past. So what that looks like in, in terms of the workout itself, you know, a lot of it's actually fairly similar. We're still doing squats and rows and all that good stuff. Um, but the process itself looks just a little bit differently. So we actually start that process every single workout by doing something called session orienting. So what that means is there's, there's kind of a list of questions that I go through, but some of those questions are, you know, how are you feeling physically, but also how are you feeling mentally and emotionally? Again, encouraging that connection between the mind and the body every single time we see each other. We're also asking the question, what does your body need today? Which sounds like a very simple question, but actually is a question that we tend, we as in a collective, we kind of tend to disregard a lot of times. Um, and then also asking the question of, do you have access to your body's sensations today? A lot of times with trauma, we, we go into kind of a dissociated state. We try to kind of leave our body because it doesn't feel like a, a familiar space. And that's not always a bad thing, but we want to be able to come back and ground 
back in our body. And so based off of that response to those questions, I will always have kind of a general workout and a general idea in mind, but that is going to adjust and adapt based off of how you're feeling in that moment. So if an individual is coming into that session and is feeling, you know, angry and frustrated and overwhelmed, instead of kind of shying away from that and being like, well, you know what, let's forget about it for the next 60 minutes and let's just move our bodies. Instead, I might hand them a medicine ball or put on the boxing gloves and say, Hey, you know what, let's lean into that frustration for a second and let's slam something. Let's hit something. Let's allow our bodies to actually complete that cycle in a safe way that it wants to. And a lot of times you'll notice that when you allow your body to do that, you're actually able to improve that resiliency and expand that window of tolerance, like we mentioned before, because now you can keep moving forward and know that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was just something that my body needed to learn to experience in a, in a healthy way, in a productive way. Or the opposite is true too. If they come in and they're just really tired and overwhelmed, we might slow down the pace and the reps and the sets. And it's much less of a, hey, we're doing eight to 12 and we're going to do that no matter what. It's more of a, let's listen to your body. Let's really work on intentionally connecting with your body there's a term that, that I use a lot as a, as a TIPT, a trauma-informed trainer called embodied movement. And basically what that means is not only just moving our body, but being fully present in our bodies when we're moving. So feeling our muscles actually working, you know, connecting with our breathing, um, having an awareness of our body and space. And that really is kind of an incremental step-by-step rep-by-rep experience. And so that's a lot of what I do. Um, also what I do too is, um, teaching and encouraging grounding techniques actually in the workout space. So I noticed this a lot in my personal experience is that when I leaned back into that high intensity style, it was quickly pushing me out of that window. And so I was getting really overwhelmed and frustrated and I would either go one of two ways, I would go into hyper arousal, which pretty much means it was just all systems go. And I was really just stressed out. Or I would go into hypo arousal, which means everything was pretty much shutting down. And I would notice that because I'd be way more tired than usual, like to my teeth, almost tired, which sounds weird. But really what happens is with these grounding techniques, we are learning how to kind of push the limit and get almost to that point where you might flip into one of those sensations but then pull you back into that moment so that you can continue to expand and expand. So for example, one of the techniques that I'll use is after a hard exercise or a challenging exercise, we actually take a tennis ball and we're gently pass it back and forth, left to right, left to right. And, and that's something called bilateral stimulation. And really what it's doing is just encouraging them to ground in the moment, to reconnect with the moment and just come back to their body. And then the cool down too, that's perhaps the most important part of what I do as a trauma-informed trainer. I will fully admit before I got into the trauma-informed training field um, that I was skipping cool downs all the time. I would get a, a great workout in and then be like, all right, cool. I'm going to cook dinner and go about my day. But what I've learned from my certification is that if we don't allow our bodies to cool down and transition back to neutral authentically, we're actually just sending ourselves out into the world ready to experience a lot of stressors kind of at a higher intensity. So from the trauma-informed side of things, sometimes we will do what I call sensory aware grounding cooldowns, which is what's a five, four, three, two, one. So five things you can see, you know, four things you can hear. You can change around the senses however you want, but that's one of the things that we'll do. 
another thing that we'll do is what I call being a detective. So becoming curious about the room. So I have, um, the traditional kind of gym flooring, you know, the, the squares that link together. So they might count the squares as they're going. And again, all of it is just allowing their body to come back to neutral and to have experienced the stress that they did in the workout, but use that as a good stress to expand their resilience, come back to neutral. And then that way, when we meet again, we might be able to crank up the dial just a little bit more every single time. Um, and then the last part of that, um, I could talk for hours about this, as you can see, but the, the last part of that too is, is like you mentioned, is uh, very much an increased awareness of the wording that I use as a coach, um, the um, body positioning that I use as a coach. Um, you mentioned to have my pronouns on here, just kind of actively um, rebelling against a lot of the diet and fitness culture messages that, that we, um, feel and hear all the time, either directly or indirectly, and finding a way to just encourage individuals to understand, you know, healthy, or that term healthy is really something that can be defined by you and, and should be defined by you. And so what if we treated this experience as a way to discover what that means for you, instead of just trying to fit you into kind of a predetermined category? What if we could find a way so that it really resonated with you and your life in a way that's authentic to you in a way that makes sense to you. And then you can keep moving forward from there. Wow. Okay. Well, everything you said was, I'm like, I wish now I'm like, I also wish I was a trauma informed coach. Right. Um, I love the grounding activities as part of the cool down, because I've had the kids do like the five, four, three, two, one, just cause that's like something easy for them to understand because, you know, everybody learns our senses in like preschool and, you know, five is not a hard number to count to. Um, but we usually do that more of like an activity of something like go run from here to there. And this time, just think about all the things you can see. Um, but as a cool down thing, because I mean, I'm sure, you know, us as adults, like you said, we don't really like cooling down either. Um, but the kids, especially sometimes it's funny, like they don't, Cause we're all, we also teach them like not to talk when they're doing something also. Um, mm. so at cool down, I'm like, this is when, like when I was on the track team, we would be chatting with each other and like, you know, just thinking about what we're doing next. And sometimes they're all just so quiet, but they're also bored and they don't want to do it. And then they complain about the cool down. So like, that's right. a fun thing to add to it. So like we're doing something, we're thinking, we're talking to each other and we're also cooling down. So I'm going to have to have them try that as we go into our fall sessions. Um, but as you were saying everything about like the trauma informed space in coaching, and I, you know, I personally am picturing most of the time, like you interacting with one person individually, because that makes it easier, obviously to like modify things to them. Sure. Um, how do you manage that in like your group space? Um, just because I know, I mean, I've, I've been to CrossFit gyms before where everyone modifies the workouts. Like I know that's possible, but how do you, cause everyone I'm sure comes in with different feelings and different things that they want to do, don't want to do. Um, so how do you really work with that in a group setting? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, a lot of it starts by just kind of understanding that in the position that I'm in as the coach, as the individual that's guiding that workout, um, there is a role that I can play in setting the tone 
for that space and for that workout before they even start moving their bodies. Um, so regardless of, like I mentioned, we do kind of six week series. So we'll have different themes, you know, we're kickboxing, but also we're doing balance. We're doing all kinds of different stuff. Um, but some of the things that I talk about very early on is I, I ask that question kind of out to the group of zoom of what do you feel like your body needs today as we're starting the warm up? You know, does your body need to wiggle? Does your body need to take a deep breath? Does your body need to turn off your screen and just settle in for a second and just allowing them to understand that all of those responses are valid and all of those responses can, can hold space depending on, on how you feel. Um, so we'll start there. Um, a lot of it too. And this is a lot of the, the wording that I use just in general with Lighthouse Fitness is um, I'm very intentional on, on encouraging them or inviting them to lean into celebrating and honoring what their body can do instead of fixating on what it can't. Um, so I'm a big believer that movement is meant to honor our bodies and not to punish it. And so a lot of times in the traditional kind of conventional group fitness space, you, you know, you see people sweating and grinding and really just red in the face. And that's not always a bad thing, but it's a lot about what kind of intention do you bring to that space? You know, are you celebrating the fact that your body can do whatever modification, whatever movement that you're doing? Or do you find yourself leaning into that negative headspace? And you might find yourself wavering back and forth. But as a coach in my position, I'm always trying to be intentional about celebrating, you know, hey, that's, you know, it's a great intention that you're moving. That's a great pace that you're working at, whatever it is, just celebrating as much as I can each of them individually and, and trying to help them to understand that I do see that you're honoring your body in this moment. I applaud you for that. Um, and then when it comes to the modifications itself, this is something that's actually um, I've grown on a lot as a coach, because even the wording of a modification can really alter the mindset itself. So, you know, instead of saying, if you can't do this move, then do this. Um, instead saying, if this might feel more comfortable for your body, if this is something that you would like to do instead, this is an equally valued option. And it sounds super simple, but what I'm hopefully helping them to understand is nothing's wrong with you. If you can't do that full version of a pushup, it just might mean that your body specifically doesn't love that move. And that's okay. Let's learn a way to navigate and learn what kind of moves that it does enjoy and that it does actually like to do. Um, and so that's a lot of it. Um, and then also throughout the workout, you know, I, I I'm a, generally a very cheery person. So I like to kind of do the, you got this and all those statements, but also in the cool down, something that I've actually started doing recently um, is in the kickboxing workout. You know, the music that we're listening to is very kickboxing esque, you know, very that style, right. Gets you going. Uh, but also what I've started doing is, is realizing that, that music can also help them to shift back down into neutral if I can adjust it. So I actually went ahead and made a separate cool down playlist that again, I invite them to listen to if they want to, but what it's doing is also giving them a mental signal to say, Hey, we're just shifting into a different part of our day and a different part of our workout. And then as they're stretching, also allowing them to have another moment to say, yes, we're stretching, we're cooling down we feel good, but also this is a great time to sit in your success of what you just did. You just showed up, you showed out for yourself. So I encourage you to celebrate that right now. 
in whatever way feels authentic for you. So it's, it's messages like that. And I'm probably sound like a broken record by this point with those series. Um, but just understanding that as a trainer and for those coaches and trainers that are listening, you do hold a power in that space. And, and it's important that you're very aware of the wording that you're using, because if you may be saying something that you don't at all mean to be damaging or negative, but if an individual has experienced something that reminds them of that experience in a negative way, no matter what actions you do after the fact, it, it might re-traumatize them, push them into those moments. And so just really leaning into that can space, leaning into that space of here's all the awesome things that you're doing. And it's a fun space to do for kids too. Um, because the thing I do love about a lot of kids is they move their bodies in whatever way their bodies say that they need to. You know, they don't really have the predetermined, you know, rules of adulthood of we, what we should and shouldn't do. If they want to jump in a puddle, they jump in a puddle. Um, and so leaning into that space somewhat, obviously it can start to be a little bit like hurting cats if you lean into it too much. Um, but just allowing them to really learn what it means to honor their bodies and to celebrate their bodies. I love that you point out like the power of the words that we're saying too, because that's something I often focus on with the kids more in a different way where we talk about like, you know, all the positive self-talk and helping them practice those things. But as you were explaining, like, if you can't do this, like how different that sounds than if this is how your body feels better, you know, like I didn't even think of like that because I, I think we still, I know I still say things like, okay, well, if you can't do the pushups like this, do them like this. So right, um, right. that's definitely something for me to think about on how to change that because then I have kids and I'm sure, I think as adults often are more self-aware of like, okay, I'm still not doing that right then. But like, then you have kids like, oh, fine, I'll just do the regular pushup, but it is just not it. Right. And you're like, I need you now to do like the knee pushup or the wall pushup. Yeah. But now I already made you feel bad about doing that. Right. So, um, thank you for that. That was Awesome. Um, and you have, I know you sent this to me too about movement versus exercise. And I noticed that you say mm. movement often. Um, so can you talk a little bit about just like what you mean by the differences of those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so especially when it, you know, when it comes to adults and kids, kind of both sides, you know, there's this, there's very much this kind of focus on exercise. Like we need to get this many hours of exercise a week. We need to make sure that we're exercising for this long and all this. And, and that's good. That's definitely good. Um, but you know, even if you work out for an hour, there's still 23 other hours in the day um, that are opportunities to maybe move our bodies or not move our bodies. Um, and now obviously some of that is eating and sleeping and all that stuff too. Um, but I think there's a power in encouraging a movement space, um, still celebrating exercise. And, and I guess what I mean by that exercise is, is anything that's just kind of deemed as intentional exercise and movement. So, you know, I'm going to go for a run. I'm determining I'm going to go for a run. That might be more of the exercise space. Whereas, you know, I want to, you know, the song comes on, I want to move my body or I'm, I've been working for a long time. I want to stand up those kind of things, a little more movement driven, um, from an adult setting, I guess I can start there. Um, when we expand our movement, so not necessarily adding more workouts, cause that's what that might sound like adding more workouts into our day or those kind of things, instead of doing that, actually encouraging us to, you know, take the dogs for a meaningful walk, you know, stand up during the day. 
Um, just take a moment if that have a dance party in your kitchen. I love to suggest that to families, but really what it is, is, is encouraging people to celebrate the movement of their body and what happens indirectly. If you have a goal like fat loss or weight loss, you're actually expanding the energy that you're burning throughout the day. So from a science standpoint, you're actually still getting really valued benefits and, and results, but you're not having to add a whole nother workout and do all these things that we a lot of times think that we need to do. You know, a lot of times we think, well, I'm not getting the results that I need. So I need to add a fourth workout in the week versus, you know, there's seven other hours in that day where you maybe could have just taken two minutes, three minutes to get up and move around. And that can go a really, really long way. And the thing that I like about that too, for adults as well, is it's a lot less overwhelming. So it's encouraging us to just embrace that movement, whatever it might be, you know, hiking, biking, singing, dancing, running, swimming, whatever it is, there's tons of categories. And also too, for those individuals, if exercise or the gym space feels like a scary and familiar space, generally there's a different form of movement that you might be able to lean into that actually feels good for you. And now you're moving your body. So now you're getting the train rolling and sure you're not doing the conventional strength training or whatever, but you're still moving and that's more important to celebrate. And then when it comes to kids, you know, we see this a lot of times almost in kind of the PE effect, you know, we have PE for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of a day, which is fantastic. Or maybe it's just a couple of times a week, but also kids love to move, you know, they love to move their bodies. They have so much energy. So I applaud you for the work that you're doing with these kids because you're encouraging them to lean into those forms of movement that feel good for their bodies. And we again have power as adults, you know, whether you're a parent or a guardian or a coach, whatever it might be to just really kind of set the stage for, Hey, there's lots of different options to move our bodies. And there's lots of different ways that we can do that and feel good about it. And that's something that I think can be really, really celebrated and important. Um, but it, you just don't hear it talked about a lot of the time because there is such a focus on the 150 minutes of this a week or, you know, the three vigorous workouts or all of those things that you hear about. And those are important too, but we also need to look at the other hours of the day and what can we do to find ways to move in ways that, that feel good for us. Yeah, no, that was awesome. That actually just had me thinking, which is like totally kind of off on a tangent too, but my watch, and I'm sure I know people complain about their watches all the time. Like, oh, my, my Garmin watch is bullying me because my whatever workout didn't count and stuff. But there probably is like some trauma-informed apps for your watches, but I know we're all, as fitness people, we're really attached to our gear, our watches. And it's like, you know, mine's saying I only got hundred and whatever minutes of intensity this week, but I'm like, I have been running around doing all this stuff. And it's only tracking yeah. when I tell it, like start my run. Um, so no, that just got me thinking, but, um, that was awesome. Before we go, you mentioned you have a podcast. I do. I do. I didn't know that. <laughs> Let's hear about it. <laughs> I do. Um, so it's called the, so I've heard podcast. Um, and it's a mix of interview episodes that actually would love to have you on the show. Um, it's a mix of interview episodes and solo episodes. So if you aren't sick of my voice yet and you want to hear more of me talking, you can go there. Um, but it's on Spotify. It's on Apple podcasts again called so I've heard. And really what it's designed to do is just kind of help to answer, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the questions that we might have and, 
in health and fitness. So I have episodes about, you know, is breakfast really the most important meal of the day? How do we actually build consistency in an authentic way in our workouts? All kinds of different things there, but also, especially when it comes to the interview episodes, my hope is with that podcast that individuals kind of expand what they think of when they think about health and wellness. So I do have lots of trainers and lots of coaches on there, but I've also had sustainable teachers on there, physical therapists on there. So trying to just expand that definition of what healthy again might be and to just encourage as many looks and different angles on health and fitness as we can. Um, so yeah, so I do have a podcast. Um, uh, sometimes if you follow me on Instagram, by the way, uh, my my tag, I guess, I don't know really what to call it. My username is lighthouse underscore fitness. Sometimes you will, you'll see links to episodes that I release. I try to do it every week or every couple of weeks. Um, but again, it's just a way to answer questions that individuals might have normalize the health and fitness space and find a way to just make better sense of it all. I think that's my ultimate goal as a trainer is I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my clients, but also to my community. If I'm not helping you to find a way to make this realistic for your life, instead of trying to fit a square peg into a circle hole, how can we find a way that maybe you just take a different approach and a different angle and we can find a way to keep moving forward. So yes, I would love to have you on. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's my podcast. So I've heard as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, you also, I feel like just did my little closing part of like, okay, what else do you have anything left? And I feel like you just said it. So, um, you must've been reading my mind today, but I will make sure I link your podcast, your Instagram and your website. Cause that is all the places we can find you. Did I miss anything? Um, that's about it. You know, I am sometimes on Facebook, but it's easier to find me on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I encourage all of you who are listening, uh, check it all out. Let me know if you have any questions. Again, I, I really do welcome those. It helps me to improve as a coach. If you're ever interested in checking out the Wednesday night class, I offer a live version and a recorded version. So that's a really awesome community of individuals that would be more than happy to welcome you into that space. Um, but yeah, I will make sure to give you those links. Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. I just want to thank Austin again so, so much for taking the time to talk to us about all the really important things that he's doing. Um, also, so he mentioned his podcast, It's So I've Heard. I am actually on one of his recent episodes as well. Um, so feel free to check that out, but check all of his episodes out anyway, because there's lots of great information if you want to keep learning more from all the cool stuff that he has going on. Um, so again, thanks Austin so, so much. And I hope we all learned a little bit more about how to be trauma-informed in different spaces. Thank you for tuning into Raising Runners, new episodes every Tuesday. And we are always looking to talk to people about running, mental health, or anything along the spectrum that can help our young athletes or just talking to runners or parents and coaches of our young runners as well. Hopefully you find our resources helpful. If you have questions, comments, or anything else, feel free to email me at marikeerunclub at gmail.com.